That's BS. And this is Gaming and BS, episode 364, being recorded Monday, October 25th, 2021. Welcome to Gaming and BS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. How you doing, folks? Glad everybody's here. Everybody made it back. Sean, how are you, man? Been a bit since we talked, about a week or so. Doing all right. Want to thank Jim I for the nice introduction to this episode. Thank you very much, Jim. That was creative and cool. Very cool. Very nice. Yeah. So neither you nor I um, made it to GameOcon this year. However, based on I follow it on social media platforms, and from the looks of it, those who went there, who I know and I track through Twitter and whatnot, had a damn good time. So bravo. I'm glad everybody went there, had a good time, had fun. Um, because otherwise, what the hell is the point of going to a con, right? <laughs> but from seeing what Alex Cameron and the lads have posted, they um, it went well. So that's pretty cool. And uh, our expectations are next year, Sean and I are back in force. So that's the that's the plan. But speaking of cons, um, just anyway, one, one last thing is that I for anybody who did who did make it there did go. Um, bravo for supporting the con, right? Um, as I said before, I. I uh, I bought my badge and turns out I'm not, I wasn't going to go. And I told the guys, hey, sorry, I canceled my events, blah, blah. But I told them, like, look, keep the money. It's not, this is going to break my bank. I already paid for it. God knows how many months ago I bought my badge. And it's not like one ticket saves the day for a con. But anytime somebody buys a badge, it does, it's all revenue that helps support the convention. So I'm glad people went and had fun and were able to support them. So that's cool. But speaking of cons, Sean, what the hell's going on? We've got some, something, some, BS ness you've cooked up. What do you got going? Tell me, tell me about it. BS Con coming January twentieth, twenty eighth to the thirtieth, twenty twenty two. Online right. virtually open to anybody. It's just not for BSers. You know, we hope that BSers are in abundance and uh, running games that they can't seem to schedule through the gaming moot. Um, but yeah, we badge registration is open. Five dollars for the badge will get you the whole weekend. It's just like the hours. You're gonna make me pay for a badge? Jesus Christ! Well, Brett, it's gonna pay double. Ah, Christ! That well makes sense. It's it's five bucks. So what's the five bucks for, Sean? It's for it's for boosting Discord server. Any overhead tabletop events, which is the platform we're using, we want to give them some money for helping us organize it. And then uh, anything left over, I'm going to donate to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. That Charity. is awesome. So uh, no, so events themselves will be, each game will be free. So we're not charging for a badge and the event. Okay. Just the badge. Just the badge. I can't refund badge costs because it's a royal pain in the ass and it'll probably hit me with fees that'll have to come out of my pocket. So if you can't if you get a badge and you can't make it, we'll credit you for the next one that we do. Yep. So Easiest way to do it. Yep. E- it's just easier. We'll transfer it. So we've got some events that are already out there. Thanks to And don't be and don't feel like you've got to run out by badge now. If you're like, look, no. I don't know what Jan- January looks like. That's fine. January first. January twenty eighth, the day of and you say, you know what, fuck it, I'm going. Snag your badge for five bucks. That's right. right. So so we'll have uh, it may, it's primarily RPGs. Shocker might have some seminars. I might do something on Foundry or maybe Notion. We'll see. 
Um, but you know, if you want to do a panel or something like that, let me know. Maybe I'll get hit up Shipman and see if he's interested in doing how to stream on Twitch or something along those lines. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be, you know, yes, $5 US dollars too. I, I don't know if they do conversion. I don't think they do. Sorry, guys. Um, but it's, the hours are like 4 a.m. until like 2 in the morning, my time, our time, U.S., central time. Okay. Um, which means that if you're overseas uh, on the European side, you're probably looking at earliest we start is about 10, 11 o'clock a.m. to kind of get you guys to be able to play in different games and stuff like that with different people. So pretty excited. Event registration is also open. You have to buy the badge first. Then once you get the badge, you log in, and then you can submit your events. Actually, uh, signing up for events is uh, not activated at this time. I, I noticed that, and I it's good, not, but it kind of wasn't this by is, design. <laughs> no, it's okay. This is our first run at this type of thing. This is uh, Sean's baby, and I think it's a really cool idea. He and I have been talking about this for a while. You're the BSer. We thought this is we should get this going, right? And um, <clears throat> we're gonna hit a bump. We're gonna snag. Something's gonna be a little sideways, or whatever. And one of the coolest parts is that this is the BSer community by and large, and um, y'all are cool people. So um, once this is done, obviously you guys have been more than happy to hit us with the old random encounter. Give us some feedback. Call BS on different things. And if um, there's ways, means, things you want more of. And the other piece to do also is if you have an idea of something you'd like to see, ask us. We know people, right? Or if you know somebody, you say, hey, boy, I could really, it would be really neat to have so-and-so talk about this game or this world. Or do you have, hey, you know that person who, um, you know, could you get Ron Blessing? I'm making this up. God, Ron doesn't listen to us probably anymore. But hey, could you get Ron Blessing to come and talk Savage Worlds for us? I, I don't know. We, we can ask people. I can't guarantee stuff. But if you've got ideas of events that you would like to see or that you that you would like to run, which is the best thing from a con perspective, say, hey, I'd like to run a seminar on painting minis. That would be awesome. If you've got a decent camera set up, you can talk about it. You can do Q&A on the spot. There's all sorts of stuff you can do. Um, be as creative as you want, and we will do what we can to uh, help make it happen. If there's something you want to do that we uh, say, oh, that sounds great. I'll bring it to Sean. Sean goes, Brett, you dumbass. There's, we can't pull it off based on because of X, Y, and Z. We'll say no. Sorry, but in the hopper, maybe next next time around it works better. So anyway, we're, we're wide open. If uh, So if you have a question on... We're kind of, there's talk on, there's a place on the forums, there's a place on Discord that we're Mm -hmm. talking about it. Uh, If you have any questions, hit me up at, I think I had put down feedback at gamingnbs.com. It'll get it to me. But uh, you'll have the choice of platforms you want to run, you know, virtual tabletop, audio and video. Uh, We will schedule events in a Discord chat and audio video room regardless. If you want to use it, great. If you don't want to, that's fine. Then you're going to have to let your players know where to go. You should be able to message your players after they sign up for your event through the platform. So you could say, hey, just want to let you know. At least I hope so, or I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, so regardless, if they go to Discord, you should be able to hit them up there anyway in the in the channel. So anyways. So just so folks know, I'm tempted to um, use Zoom and or um, maybe even Roll20 for some of the things I'm thinking about. So all that's possible. Don't feel like you're tied to 
this one thing. Sean brought that up to me. I'm like, hey, how about? He goes, absolutely, Brett. Run whatever you want. Just make sure you tell people so that they can get to it and all that stuff. So should be good. So I have one event scheduled already myself personally. I'm running. What forget, do you it. forget about it. I was going to say, if you're not running, forget about it. And I've got to run at least one Avalon game. I'm going to run one Avalon game with that. That's just dumb. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll play. I don't know. Maybe we'll play a game. I don't know. There's a lot of cool shit, man. We got a lot of cool BSers, so I'm pretty sure something needs to hit, and I'm going to be like, ooh, I got to play in that one. Yeah. So, yeah. Looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah. It should be fun. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's January. And the other cool thing for me is that it doesn't impact um, Evercon 2022 because Evercon, I'm not running it, um, but the folks who've taken over um, have got a little bit later in the year. So that's awesome. And even if they did have it in January, it's normally early would have been normally earlier in January. So I don't uh, I don't have a conflicting weekend on that one. So bravo. Very cool. Anything else on that, man? No. Be good? Uh good. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I should ask you before we go too far. I did get to um I did have my Greyhawk game. Huh? With my guys last time. Uh, my buddy Alpha got a new puppy, so his uh, his wife was at work. She's a nurse. <laughs> so he's like, oh, I gotta watch the puppy. I can't make the game. I'm like, fuck that, dude. We're going to your place. So he just packed up gear, went to his house. Um, worked out pretty well. They had some really good role playing moments. Um, it was awesome. My buddy Nick, uh, he has his paladin, his paladin warhorse, and he's been all tricking out Goliath and like, oh, this is the coolest thing since sliced bread. And then they went into the um, vast swamp on the way to the tomb. And uh, after the first brutal description of what the first two days in the swamp was, I looked at Nick. Because he had this, he just had this look on his face. Just, what's up, Nick? He goes, "I gotta get this horse out of here. I, I can't." <laughs> He's like, "I can't do this." He said, "I, I can't keep wearing this armor." I said, Gee, "No, <laughs> I didn't even, I hadn't even dropped a, like a um, mechanical penalty on them, right? Like, hey, you're exhausted or a- anything like that. Like, hey, you have minus four, nothing." They were just thinking about the fact that they were in this knee deep swamp and they were going to be at it for weeks. Like this, this sucks. <laughs> so. It was really good, just role playing in character, taking the world and working with it. And um, I did not have to beat them over the head with a mechanical stick to make them, you know, stick to the uh, the tone, which was really nice. Then my son AJ ran the next chapter of his five uh, E game for my daughter Ilana and I. Did that last night, and that was a lot of fun. We had to go. We were in Midgard, and we were we're dealing with the Black Goat of the Woods. Um, couldn't quite figure out what's going on. Actually, sighted the black goat. It came and spoke to us in some weird, insane gibberish. Almost drove us mad. We fled that and decided, for some reason, that we're going to go talk to Baba Yaga because she may have the right answers. Turned out she did. My daughter's character gave up an eye. I lost the spell book. All, all sorts of stuff we had to give up to get the answers we needed, but we felt it was well worth it. So, yeah. So that was good. AJ did a really good job playing Baba Yaga and bargaining. I was wondering how he was going to do it. And he did really, really well. I was very proud of him. Did you game at all since last? I did game. I ran Delta Green yesterday. Uh, session four. I think it'll wrap up next week or the week after for sure. They did. I would hope. They're dead, <clears throat> they dead yet. They're not dead. I, You know, the scenario, I don't know if I would run it again. If I ran it again... It's a that's the problem with running the scenario one of a, a, a one time thing because it's hard I'll to get the nuances. I'll, I'll throw this out there, and this is a um, this is a piece we've gotten to around practice before, and um, one of our random encounters here. We talked the uh, response talks a little bit about practice too, but I think with some of these with some of these um, 
some of these scenarios, I, I, I've said this before, I used to try not to run the same thing twice. I always wanted to be very, I wanted to be different and unique every time. And the more I've thought about it, I'm like, that's just dumb. Um, <laughs> I've got a scenario like you and forget about it. And some of my Avalon stuff, I'm like, I'm, I'm really good at this. I know it. I can, I know, understand how the scenario works. I can just make it happen. The haunted house and the, uh, the call of Cthulhu, the original, the Corbett house. I've run that a number of times. I am really good at that. Sure. Not to be arrogant, but I'm like, I know that adventure, you know, and I know how it works, where to get the details, how it could flow and how it could fit into a campaign. Cause I've done it. It's just great. There's something really cool about that. So I could definitely see with that Delta green scenario going through and going, huh? Okay. Neat. What's, what's next? I, I often wonder that with some of the big D and D monolith campaigns, like Ryan and the frost maiden and such, when you go through them the first time, would you ever want to go through it a second time? Right? Like some of the old, like some of the older, shorter ones, like the shorter Delta green game or some of my Avalon adventures that I've, that I've put out there. You could run them a few times with different groups and not feel like you committed to six to nine months or a full calendar year of, I'm going to run tyranny of dragons again. Cause I really think if I ran it again, I want to do this different thing. That's a great big commitment, you know? And I think that's, um, I think that's something that I, uh, is missing from the 5e world that I wish was at least the official products, not missing in, in, in total. But anyway, just made me think of it when you said that. The other one All was right. Cyberpunk Red. Ah. Yeah. We, uh, we opened the band Drive Boy, opened, uh, had a season opener, played the halftime show of a season opener of the, <clears throat> the local uh, NFL team. Okay. So yeah, everything went well, and then it didn't. Like some something that you know, there's like an assassination murder that occurred okay. in one of the boxes, and got some stuff moving pieces and parts going on. It's 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 it's, 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 it's there's a lot of things going on. So when uh, kind of call back to the end is near episode we did a little bit ago. Is this do you have, do you know how long this one's going to go? Cyberpunk Red. I don't. We I think we asked Jimmy kind of like, "Hey, how do you think this is going? Are you enjoying running the game?" And uh, he's like, "Yeah, everything's fine so far, and you know, so but there isn't any uh, very non-committal, I, very non-committal classic Jimmy answer. Yeah, it's good so far. I Why? Don't know <laughs> if well, there's. I mean, I think I mentioned that uh, Josh and Doc uh, commented on the cyberware of cyberpunk." And some of the drawbacks to uh, it's be it's a little more difficult, I think, than than what it might have been uh, initially expected. Oh, they may have had more of a Shadowrun type of thinking. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, there was a joke or a comment that said, uh, "Not cyberpunk red." So uh. <laughs> I don't know. One thing that was interesting, though, you know, there's a map we were talking about, like, well, we're going to go out of the city or something, like, knuckle down mm -hmm. somewhere. And so we we asked Jimmy if there was any location outside of Night City. Yeah. And it's really hard to find a map, unless you go to the original Cyberpunk 2020 days. Yeah. They're, they're like, Cyberpunk Red is... Night City. 
why are you leaving the city? That's where the campaign is. There's, there's, <laughs> well, that's what Jimmy said too. You you walk, you walk, you walk, and then you hit like an imaginary brick wall, <laughs> like an invisible brick wall. <laughs> What's this about? I don't know. It looks like uh, it's a. So it's uh, good times uh, playing with Crystal, one of our, our supporters. Big, so big sign that says "Here Be Monsters." So like, oh, I yeah. guess we're at the end of that map. <laughs> it's hey, a fun cool. game. It's it's not awesome. uh, anything I think I would ever play in any other game, honestly, because we're playing a freaking rock band. It's like crazy. We well, and I have talked about that, and I've got a digital copy of Cyberpunk Red, which is on my to read pile. Yeah, it's on the old iPad, so I can read it and. Um, in my head, when I, I hear you talk about it, I'm like, ooh, I could do, ooh, I could do. And it re- reminds me much more so of my vampire games, like the <clears throat> the type of stories I would tell in those cities, those vampire cities, like ooh, just strip the vampire off right, and throw in instead of Toreadors, there's Rocker Boys, instead of the Ventry, there's this, instead of this, there's this. I'm like, I could, gosh, I could scrape the serial numbers off a lot of other stuff I've done. Hmm. So... That's got me thinking. When I get to it, I'm pretty sure that's kind of where my brain will go. So it's got we'll a see. big skill list, let me tell you. I've heard, yeah. Well, <laughs> but, you're playing Delta Green too. I mean, Delta Green called Cthulhu is not is no slouch on the skill list. So true. Cool, man. Well, enough of that shite. Let's move on to random encounter, shall we? Random encounter segment of the show where we field emails, voicemails, comments from social media. I'll let you start because oh, you're so good at starting. All right. So, Jim, the person that it, that kicked this episode off, writes in about how do we organize as game masters. He responds to, uh, to, to the topic because the topic kind of tied into what he does in, with his index cards for some exactly. of his yep. role-playing games. So, great show, fellas. At one point, Brett asked how much practice is needed to master the system I'm using for my index card file. Well, I don't know about being a master at Zettelkasten, but when I was reading about the method and how other people do it, I did intentionally pare down some of the approaches I saw until it was simple enough that there's not a lot of ceremony involved in adding and linking cards together. Then I just sat down and wrote maybe a dozen cards about some RPG mechanics I'd been thinking about. Then I added another dozen over the next day or two. At that point, I'd become very easy to grab a card, find an ID for it, write the date and time, and link it to other cards that I had spread out on my desk. So I guess the answer to your question about how much practice it takes is a couple of hours over a couple of days. But that's me. Your mileage may vary. I'm going to hold you for a second, Sean. I love... That's a great response, Jim, on that, because one of the things that I like that you called out there is that you said, hey, I want to try this, and you sat down and wrote maybe a dozen cards. That's cool. You said, I want to try this. So you sat down, you took the time to sit down and start the thing, right? Just on some mechanic ideas, as you mentioned there. I think that's brilliant to starting a new thing. It's like if you're going to start using Notion, you need to say, well, I want to start using Notion. No time like the present. Let's sit down and work it, right? Because you're until you start using the tool it's always going to be kind of floating around out there so i points and props for that man that's good stuff back to you sean continues as mentioned in the episode and the forum post the index card file isn't the right tool for finding information at the table or really for keeping track of what's going on in a campaign for that kind of thing i use a combination of time tracking sheets shared on discord 
that have space for a short description of what's happening each turn. I've seen those time tracking sheets. Jim keeps track of a lot of time. Um, I also write some free form notes before the session with information I think I'll need. And then a few notes, oh, excuse me, after the session about what actually happened and questions I need to answer before the next session. Those notes usually fit on the back of the time tracker sheet. All that gets put in a binder with maps and keys and all that sort of stuff. And I review the last couple of sessions right before the next one starts. As for numbers and crunchy stuff, I've also got a spreadsheet to keep track of XP and treasure for each session and how much each PC and hireling has. It took some work for the initial setup, but once that was done, it just takes a minute to set things up for a new session or to add a new character. Maybe I'll write a post about that sometime. That's cool. This dude is organized. Yeah, Jim's got stuff going on. He's like, uh, I got this written down. I got this down. I got a tracker for this and that. I mean, that's awesome. I have to admit, I haven't looked, I haven't read the entire post of Jim's and the index card component, but I wonder by what he's describing, if it's similar to what bullet journaling is, you only, only he's using cards. I believe it is. I, I vaguely know about bullet journaling based on what you and my daughter have explained to me, but I think it's, I think it has a similar tone touch to it. Right. Which, uh, so I think it's in the same vein, but, uh, it, it's just, sometimes I like, I like looking at that stuff, but wow, that's cool. I wish I could do that. And yes, I should, if I really, really want to do it, I would absolutely sit down and say, you know what, I'm going to do this, grab a stack of cards and do what Jim did. Um, but honestly, I like, uh, huh, do I want to do that? I don't know yet. I don't know <laughs> if I want to, I don't know if I want to use it, but yeah. that's what actually got me thinking back to your mention of notion. I'm like, well, those are kind of like cards in electronic version. This might be easier for me to handle slash organize because I sit in front of my damn PC all day. So maybe that's the way I should do it. Anyhow, good stuff, yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you for writing in. Yeah, with thanks, this. this is good. Very helpful. No, Notion can be done. You can use cards. You can use pages. You can use tables. Like there are different views that you can do. So if you're yep. a Trello user, then you just lay it out like cards. So each yep. entry is a card. Uh, you don't have to do it that way. If you're like a, a, a OneNote person, you can use it like pages. The nice thing about the cards is they can become pages. You just click on them. And they open up as a page. So yep. anyways. It's pretty cool. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right. So thank you. And who we got next? Jared. Our comments on the forums around organizing as well. Uh, my means of organizing have changed a lot since I transitioned to running games online. I settled into writing out scenes on index cards with some notes on what would happen in the scene and how the scene might lead to other scenes. That way I could just shuffle to the scene that I made sense um, to come next. If I never used one of those scenes, I could save it and potentially work that index card into another scenario later on. This worked for any game where I was using my own scenario and where, where eh, excuse me, and where I either could look up the stat blocks and the rules or potential opposition or hazards were super easy to stat on the fly. I went into the games feeling organized, but whenever I improvised a name or a place or an important situation, I'd have to write down a note quickly, as often I was at a loss to remember exactly what my shorthand actually meant. I, I see that, absolutely, Jared, and uh, yeah, I buy that. He continues, when I started running online, I started to keep a simple Google spreadsheet open and would type in names and locations whenever I improvised something. I felt it easier to have the spreadsheet open 
on one screen has the zoom session open on another and um, than it did to look away from the table to take notes. I also like this method because I could share the spreadsheet so that people could see all the places and people that came up. Anytime the players want to look at it between sessions, those things were in existing shared space. This wasn't like when I tried to set up wikis and fill the information later based on my notes. I could get down to basics and maybe fill in some details later, but that was all there was. I did this for my Star Trek Adventures game, my Streets of Avalon game, and my Eberron game I ran. It became kind of handy for the Avalon game so I could keep track of NPCs that had died in locations that were burned down or drastically changed in some way. Classic Avalon game. Very good. I got away from this a bit with the Sentinels comics RPG game, mainly because I was getting used to using Roll20 at the time, and also because I was pre-planning environments and twists for the scene tracker, which took up a little more of my mental real estate. I'm not sure what I'm going to do when I get back to running face-to-face, but as simple as it sounds, I really like having the shared spreadsheet to use for common information. I got to say, man, when I was running online, I mentioned this on the show, I believe I did, at least near the tail end. When I was taking notes online, I don't think I, I, I liked it. I liked it because I'm looking at the screen. Oh, tick, 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 tick. I could talk to Sean, run the game. Yep, hang on, let me take a note here. That felt natural. And I did share that every time. Whatever notes I took were always readily available. The list of NPCs that they met, where they were, <coughs> excuse me, a note, even a personality trait. There were often secret GM sauce, like, ooh, person is twitchy, wears a hat, or stutters, or doesn't like you or whatever. I would put that in there and the players saw it and I thought that was kind of cool because then that tricked in their mind to also remember all that stuff. You know, just ticked around and said, oh yeah, that's the guy who's super nervous or whatever. You know, it was always... So I found that type of note sharing didn't didn't hurt anything. There was nothing secret in the fact that my note to myself that this person behaved a certain way, all it did was help the players cement that person and their personality in their mind so it was pretty cool so i think there's a lot of benefits to that shared note that shared listing of that type of stuff so that's pretty cool i really like that thank you jared good stuff yeah, man. thanks jared back to you sir the warden broken ruler games comments on the end is near i haven't finished this episode yet but brett's poo-pooing of endings Got me thinking of my own take on this subject. If this were a place where bad language was used, I'd say that he was shitting all over it, but that kind of fucking horse shit ain't happening here. Goddamn right. (laughs) I've run a long campaign before and ran it like I had all the time in the world to wrap it up. After three years, a player moved to another part of the country before online play was a valid or known option. We had to stop cold. Two years later... We had a chance to reunite for a weekend to wrap up the campaign. What would probably have taken another year for me to wrap up neatly now had to close messy. Somehow we were able to pull off one hell of an ending, but I've always considered lucky uh, more than fortunate to have finished it. Which is why I like knowing when the end is or should be coming because it helps stay on pace for what we want in our story. It helps control tangents like a faucet. Leave it open too long and now you're wasting water. If the majority of the table feels like an ending works here, you don't exactly want another player looking at the map going, what's over there and how many days until we can reach it? For me, I started using a scene currency that lets players buy into a scene and help set the goals for the scene and how it will benefit their character. For example, a player spends a scene point and wants to find out where their suspect is hiding so they can get to go get him. 
Once everyone has spent all this, their scene points, we have an epic scene to close out the act. Since I prefer to run my games in three acts, it lets us all know when it's time to stop going on tangents or try new ideas and start wrapping up storylines, kids. If we want longer acts, we use more scene points. For writer's table games, this approach has worked well for me and I plan to use it in some of my designs moving forward. Because I look at this kind of meta knowledge, yes, I agree with that, as a piece of meta, we're already subconsciously using when we play. Like knowing the odds when you hear the difficulty number. It helps you make an informed decision rather than be the map guy who finds out the group took a vote during their last bathroom break. Knowing when the end is coming allows you to prep it, prep for the end rather than stumble into it or worse, trip on it. So I like this, Warden. I think this is pretty good. And I think you're right. I think by the end of the episode, I kind of came back around to, like I said, it kind of at the beginning we started talking about it with Sean, I'm like, something about it bothers me. And at the end of the conversation, Sean, I think kind of went, oh, yeah, no, it makes sense, blah, blah, blah. And this message from the warden brings to mind a conversation I had with myself um, over lunch the other day. I was thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? I mentioned on the show that I didn't like this, but I really didn't have a good reason why. And I think it's the nostalgia piece of it, Sean. And here's the thing is when we were kids, right, you'd have a character. I really didn't have big campaigns, but I had like my D&D guy, my character, my Merp character, whatever it was. And anyway, we wanted to keep playing that character. We would go from Pharaoh to Isle of Dread or whatever it was. You know, we would just grab modules at the time. Or if we were playing Shadowrun or whatever, we just wanted to go from op to op to op to op. We just kept going. We didn't want that character until they died. When enough characters died, then we were like, oh, new campaign. We called it a campaign. It was just a series of unconnected events <laughs> type of thing. What you know, and I think there's a there's a nostalgia in like, boy, I just want it to go on type of thing. However, Warden's got got the right of it here. I think is that there is there's some serious power in the ending and having that in there. And you know, the complaints of what's meta, what's not, what's too much meta, and so forth. Yeah, he, he's. I, I think everything in here is is really solid, and it, it makes sense to me. And I think the reason, like I said, it kind of sometimes it rankles and for for Brett anyway is because like, oh man, can't we have this thing? And the answer is no, you can't, you dummy. There's better way. <laughs> you know, it's it doesn't. I don't have the time for that. You know, even my my son who plays D D with his buddies periodically and so forth. Whenever they get together to play a game, they just make new characters. Even if it's a couple different sessions, it's just like, oh, this is the new campaign. They make a new character. They grind, grind, grind. Move on. Next time he runs for them, they make new characters often, you know, so not that that's how everybody does it. But I think I think that was kind of the, the reasoning, Mr. Todd, as to why that kind of hit me is like something I wasn't too keen on. But the reasons you're talking about here are some of the exact reasons I think that it has some good power to it. And I think, Sean, you did get me around to that as we talked through it in the show. But this is this is really much more succinct, of course. Of course. Anything else you got on that one? I don't think so. Cool, man. Shall we? Let's go to the main topic. <clears throat> yes. All right, Brett. What are we talking about tonight? I want to talk about one of, uh, one of the things I've not run into, but it's popped up. We had a <coughs> save or die. Okay. First edition AD&D. Make your saving throw. And um, it's interesting 
some people called it a bug. Some people say it's a feature of some of the OSR games and so on. And um, I know some folks hate it, hate it with a screaming passion. Other folks are like, no, no, it's all part of blah, blah, blah. So I think <laughs> what was what drove me to think about it as a topic was that we were playing and um, one of the characters got in a, you know, basically savored our scenario where if he wasn't going to, he wasn't doing something. So Nick's palette almost died. Huh? That wasn't good. Then another time I threw rock rubs on him and um, he didn't apply fire. So he had three rounds because he rolled the ran one to three rounds. I rolled. He got lucky at three rounds. They're going to burn his heart and he's dead. There's no other way to save them. Either you burn them or cure disease. That's it. That's how you get rid of them. Or maybe a wish spell, obviously. Well, they had nothing more creative forthcoming. So he's like, okay, fine. He took a round, cure disease on himself. Wham. Fixes the problem. He's like, damn, that would just kill me, wouldn't it? Yes, Nick, it would. Damn, that sucks. And Lenny goes, yeah, but I kind of like that in this game, this Greyhawk game, because it just fits, you know? And we, the group talked about it. And we said, you know, for the type of game we're running here, it does fit. It's what we expect. We are expecting this in this game. We were expecting the saber die scenario. We were expecting certain spells have no saving throw. There's no saving throw against this thing, that thing. Some of the magic can force you to do a thing. And the bad guys can do it to you. You can do it to them. And there was enough opportunity when the guys have, uh, when they look through it and they're like, look, we, we've saver died a few people. Oh, yeah, you're right. We have. So it's gone both ways across the table. They didn't see it as an unfair thing. It was a tool in both people's toolbox. And they looked at it saying, Brett's not hammering us with that. This makes sense. It's it's enforcing and supporting a uh, old school first edition style of play that they liked. They felt it's being judiciously sprinkled in in the right places about the right things. Um, I'm curious, though. Sean, not only just what you think, but how this may change some of their opinions if and when one of their now higher level characters dies. <laughs> it's easy for some folks to, um, this is the what well, the dangers I see in it, right? And this is when players and even game masters, we can get invested in the characters, right? We've got this thing planned. It's all good. And then Nick's paladin goes and fails his goddamn saving throw and he dies. Like, huh? That sucks. I remember my buddy Corey in high school. Corey uh, Dilda, he was all, he was loved his paladin. He was a great paladin, 12th level paladin. He's a badass son of a bitch. And uh, he just, uh, in a, <laughs> and this is active, absolute hubris as a high school kid. We went, I grabbed the, I grabbed, I grabbed the thing, vat. it must be healing potion. I just down it. It was poison. Didn't bother to check. Nothing. He failed. He rolled a one, died. Lost his shit, he did. Was not happy, right? But he was very fond of that character. I had just made a character to join with this group, so I'm like, oh, well, you know, didn't, didn't phase me any. But I'm wondering what their opinions will be once, if and when that happens. So, Sean, I uh, I mentioned it to you, and I see you cringe immediately when I say save or die. So, <laughs> I what, just what? don't know how I ever played that effing game. Why? I just don't, man. I look back on it and I'm like, you're just I, not man enough. You're just not man enough for the game. I'm, I'm not man enough, man. I don't <laughs> totally drink can. enough whiskey, <laughs> shoot enough deer, rub enough deer pee on me. I just don't do it. I don't understand. Uh, it's definitely not for everybody. I can absolutely, I absolutely understand it. Oh. Do you hate it? Is why? Why don't you like it? What? What? What about it drives you bananas? Uh, it, it's 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 a flip of the coin. I think like. Roll, roll, 
save save versus whatever or die. Yeah. That's that's the result. Like shocker, it's not a thing in some of the modern day versions. You know what's interesting <laughs> though is that even in it's touch, inca- finger of death. <clears throat> was it touch of death? Finger of death? Finger of death. Finger of death. You it's like you don't more. even die from that. You do um, if depending, you're like depending. below. Yeah, power kill. It'll do. It'll like off you if you don't have if you're not high enough level or something. It's it's the amount of hit points you have. Like if you're less yeah. than half and they cast a spell and you lose, you fail to save. You're done. Actually, I don't yeah. even know if there's a save. Then you're done. Well, like you know, sleep spell in D and D. There's no save. Even fifth E. There's no save. You sleep versus sleep. There's no saving throw versus you are sleep. High, you are high on crack. What are you? Some things about? are immune to sleep spells, but otherwise, sleep just it, it does X number of hit dice worth of people just fall asleep. That's an homage. Oh, that I gotcha. The, the the number of yes. so what's interesting is that the thing about the um the the something that has like no saving throw right. There's certain spells that like there's no save, i.e., summon insects. Summon insects. My my buddy um, Alpha, the druid, uses some insects. After like a round or two, these horrible biting insects surround the target. You can do nothing. There's no saving throw, and you can do nothing but try to get them away from you, or get away from them. That's the only action you can take. You're not allowed to fight, cast spells, do anything. Right? You read the spell description. It's pretty like, huh? Wow, what a son of a bitch that is. Now, if when they've tried to use it on a creature with at will powers or whatever it is, things get a little wonky for them. But I, I think one of the, the challenges here is that in general, many games have multiple layers, D and D specifically in this very in this first edition case, to protect, have uh, mechanical plot armor for the characters, armor class, plot armor, hit points, more plot armor, saving throws, more plot armor. The dragon breathes on you. You get a saving throw to have the damage. Aha. So I have an attempt to minimize the damage or half the damage, and then my hit points soak up whatever's left. Granted, it could overclock it. It could still kill you, but you've got two opportunities to stay alive, right? Saving throw plus hit points. And depending what you're doing for, <clears throat> like, um, a poison blade attack has to hit you. Armor class has a chance to save you. Then you get a saving throw versus the poison. It does hit point damage. And if it's not like save or die poison, then there's more Then there's a poison save. There's all these stacking mitigation pieces that, that can come on top of it. And I'm not going to get uberly into the, the wise and wherefores of all that. But I think the shocker for that, Sean, is that everything else, when that happens, it feels like it's down to one die roll. That's it. This one die roll. And it can also feel very much like you're, sh- you're surprised and ambushed by it, right? If your character, it if I were to have it. seems like somebody like Brett is waiting to whip that thing out and just put the ever-loving the, smackdown on a PC. It's the ambush feeling, right? You're just waiting totally, for it to happen. Yeah. Totally, for so sure. So if your character looked at like in a 5e game, if I said, look, here's the deal. You can stop this horrible thing from happening, but you've got one skill check or one save, and that's it. People are like, oh, God, that's all I got. You know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Well, I'm gonna, I don't know what the DC is, 
but I, I got a plus 10 because of this and this and this. I'm going. I'm going to do it. It comes down to one die roll. It can be very dramatic, right? But that's a plot point. That's something you plan and you see it there. Like, oh, I'm going to do this thing, right? And um, some of this shit is like, oh, I encountered this creature. Save. Turn to stone. Fuck. You failed. The basilisk sees you. You're stone. Medusa, you're stone. There's no partially turned to stone. Like, ooh, I'm getting, I'm getting stony in 5e. There's like, nope, <laughs> done. You are stony. turned to stone. You're fucking petrified. <laughs> well, maybe Brent. I'm getting, maybe I'm getting paralyzed. Nope, you are paralyzed. People don't want to play Fuck. those games anymore. Nobody does, except for all ooh. the people that do. Except for all the people that do. So That's you don't why you like to play Call of Cthulhu. There's nothing. There's none of that. Yeah, you just die and go insane. That's it. That's it. Like, hey. <laughs> Uh, that's not too bad. And, you know, so it I takes think a while. One of the things that this is, um, when I'm running a game that has this, I sat down with the guys. And I said, hey, I want to run this. And they went, ooh, this would be great. Old school. This would be fun. We haven't done it. I said, now remember, there's stuff in here that we don't normally encounter in many of the games we play, including Pathfinder and so forth. And Zave goes, yeah, like, and, <laughs> and Lenny goes, save or die. Oh, yeah, save or die. Yeah, po- oh, poison just fucking kills you, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, shit, that happens. Oh, and so spells don't have. Oh, yeah. And so the memory is kicking in. Like, ah, yeah, ah, yes, 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 yes. We knew this was coming. Yes. So it was a very much we signed up for it. And the first time I introduced it. Right. It, I first time I introduced it. Um, so I get poisoned. And What's it so was funny, like, Brett. What's so funny? It was share, funny. Because, share audience. because what happened is this like I made sure. The first time I introduced it was I knew the character had the best poison saving throw. I'm like, okay. So I'm gonna have you make a saving throw versus poison. And I opted to have it, it wasn't save or die. It was just you're gonna take more damage. Sure. So I went, you're poisoned. And they went, oh, is it save or die poison? I said, make your save. They went, Oh Jesus. And poof, action stops. Everyone <laughs> says click it, click, 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 bam, 20 hits. I'm like, okay, you failed. Never answered the question. You failed. You take another eight points of damage. Oh, thank God. Oh. Just eight points of damage. Oh, I can heal eight points of damage. Right. So, but the group knew it was coming. It, they knew it was coming. They knew it was out there. And it was uh, something that they all agreed to, that this was what we're going to play. And in turn, then, they found out that, hey, the the reverse of neutralized poison is poison. So the druid can just smack you and fucking kill you with a poison spell, basically. So he's, it's his bitch slapper, he calls it. It's stuff. It's, re- it's you know. reversible? That one is? Yes, it's, it is reversible. Oh, okay. um, so Alpha being the Alpha Nomicon, he goes through and goes, oh, yeah. Like he reads through everything. All the spells are available to him. He goes, I want this one, this one, and this one is the same thing. You know, what's good for me is good for you type of thing. So that's the other interesting piece is that it does slide both ways. And I think what's kind of um, in that, in the AD&D world anyway, at least the way I've always played it the way my friends and I have enjoyed it is that it, both sides can do it to each other right across the screen. They can do it to my bad guys. I can do it to the, those them as the good guys and so forth. Um, <clears throat> so, Sean, if I said I was going to do that, would you, you just hate it. Why do you hate it? Just because I'm not. I'm not I, first of all, I'm not. I'm, not, f- I'm, I'm saying hate is too strong, yeah. but you, you don't like I hate it. a lot of things. Oh, I know you do. Yeah. Mostly me. I. uh I'm not a big fan of AD and D. I I think it's well, novel. Throw, just throw that out, but think uh, about the mechanics. Think I don't about know if that. I can. I don't know if I can, Brad. You can't. You I can't don't take them. I don't know if I can. I, I'll try. Moldavate D- Mold- basic D and D. I'll try. Box. I know. I'll try. 
Okay, I think I'm the right. saber paralyzed. Oh. Um, <laughs> I see the swing back and forth. Works both ways. It's not yep. like only the players can do it or only the the big bats can do it. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just seems. What what? When does that start making it rear rearing its head? I know there's no D the CRs and any of that other crap. There are hit dice though. Yeah, there are. You can. I mean, it, it's like what's balanced. There's more of an art form to balance than it is a um a, a, a an accounting problem, right? Yes. And it is interesting because I think the I think what you're getting is what I kind of start off here with like the level of character, right? How much invested have you got? I would it? be pretty pissed off if I failed to save and die, and I was like eighth level in even fifth level AD and D because it is a freaking slog to get there if you're. Game if your dungeon master is we're using XP. Yeah, if you're using gold and kills for XP, it could take a long time to get there. Yeah, it does. I mean, these guys are getting high level is like eighth. Yeah, these guys are cranking out trying to get to you know hundred plus x hundred plus thousand XP right to get to the right. next level. I mean, yes. When Zave pulled the uh, the one card of the deck of many things, he lost all of his belongings. <laughs> he draws talons, <laughs> snatch and gone. He went, and this is a gear heavy game, folks, right? So he lost yeah. all his magic rings, all his cool shit. He's like, fuck. <laughs> he was hilarious. just depressed. Like, damn. The group rallied around, got him geared back up and stuff. It took a little bit, but. That's what happens too when you're in that game. When you're seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth level, you have a lot of crap. Assuming again, the dungeon master's given out a lot of stuff yep. for you to because a lot of the stuff you give out as a dungeon master in AD&D is to combat all this freaking crazy shit. Well, that's what all magic and powers are, right? For fifth edition, all my abilities are like, ooh, I can't be surprised because I'm sick of getting surprised. Ooh, I get an extra attack because I'm a fighter because I need to hit people more. Ooh, I get more of this. Ooh, I get that. Ooh, I can stop this. Ooh, I can track anything I want. Ooh, I get hunter's mark. It's all combating. The monsters or the the denizens or the the world in some way to improve your chances for for survival and to kick up your cool factor right which is right the other thing that's interesting and i know um a couple of guys in my group have said this i've heard this from other uh grognards besides myself which are like well there is a the other piece behind the game and that type of thing one of the things that it enforces i feel is it can enforce turtling if you're if you go crazy, right? Like uh, I won't fight that monster. I run away. I run away. Run away. I won't, I won't, I won't That's engage. an option. Like well, a very, actually, very valid it's option. It's a very in valid Yeah. And it enforces that. Like when I say turtling, not necessarily turtling, but people would be like, I'm not gonna go deal with that basilisk because I'm not getting turned to stone unless I am prepped for the X, Y, and Z. These guys have done more research into figuring out what the creature is and what the problem is. Than they do in a five E game. Five E game, like all right, they got to don the hazmat suits, man. Oh, yeah, shit, we're going in there. We got put our shit out. That's right. They're not fucking around, right? It's it's very. They approach it very much in my, my <laughs> Call of Cthulhu game. <laughs> right. You're, um, and this is kind of players versus characters type of thing. A lot of times, players in Call of Cthulhu who are good players um, will be playing their character, and somehow, some way, the character suddenly refuses to go anywhere unless they have all this information because they don't want to die, right? They want to get the best details they can because it makes sense. We find some wonderful in-character way to make that happen. But the players in my game, in my Greyhawk game, 
they look in and say, okay, what is this? What can we find out? Let's look for clues. They don't charge in unless they're gar- not guaranteed to win. They're guaranteed to know what it is or they think they know what it is. The first time they encountered a couple of nil bogs, you know what nil bog is, right? The reverse goblins. You yes, hit them, you heal them, all that shit. Well, just, just making sure. Yeah, the first time oh, they encountered them, a couple, ah, oh, fuck, nil bogs. God damn it. How do we get them off the boat? Scrape them off the boat, throw them in the river, try to paddle paddle. I mean, the the creativity in the way they're approaching the situations is jacked up. And I don't know if that is, it's not just because of the saber die mechanic, but I'm using that as, when they see that happen and like that thing can petrify you. That's basically saber die. That thing is venomous. That's poisonous. Saber die, saber die. Fuck that. We got to figure a way to combat that. We are not just charging in there. This is too fucking dangerous. We need to back out and rethink our plans and do something different. I don't get that in a number of other games. And some people don't give a shit because like, yeah, but that's not heroic. That's not fun. And I totally get that. That's absolutely fine. But and it might be simply because we haven't played this in a long time. Right. My group and I. So some of it is like, wow, this is fun. It is very different than what we have become used to. Right. Pathfinder, you've got tons of feats. D&D 5e, you've got this, that, and the other, all these powers or spells. Or this game, that game, whatever it is we're playing. It, you've got all this stuff, uh, abilities and so forth, and it doesn't happen that way. So when it's happening, there's some nostalgia, like a little throwback, nostalgia candle burning dimly in our head saying, wow, whew, boy, that was that shit's dangerous. But they're also they're like, wow, I have a seventh level character, an eighth level character. I don't uh, I don't figure to go charging in anything yet. I mean, they see Skull City, you know, they, they see the, the, the big place outside the tomb and the vast swamp like, wow. How do we get in there? Let's talk to some of the natives. Let's do this. Let's do this. So they're trying to figure out different ways to get this stuff because, like, this is fucking dangerous. There's undead I, and horrors, and oh my god! I it, applaud yeah. that. I will applaud that. Right? Okay. Because on, there's on nothing the, worse than just walking into everything because you know you're you you have a fifty to. 95% chance of actually surviving it, regardless of what you're facing. Yep. Now, like, the other piece... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, so, so it, if it facilitates that, and the game group understands that, then I'm okay with it. I would much rather say, I would actually like to throw out the threat right out in front of them. Boom. Spit it right out on the table and go, look, here's the deal. There's a Medusa in there. If you look at her, you still turn to stone, period. You you save versus petrification. You lose your stone. You're done, period. There, end of discussion. So what are you going to do? Yeah, when they encountered the uh, the uh, Dracolisk, which is a black dragon basilisk mated, they found the Dracolisks, um, the statues it was leaving. Like, okay, Medusa. Then they find a dead Medusa. Like, okay, this is worse than a Medusa. This isn't good. This isn't good. The but they, the, 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 yeah, the, the clues that are, are never all, on bases. Right? Yeah, it'll <laughs> all roughly formed, but yet strangely accurate in proportion. Um, it's working for my group. And I think you, you said you said that, you know, it's, it's facilitating for your group, right? Blah, blah, blah. And I think you hit a solid point there is that this is where knowing your group or being very clear and everybody buying into it. No one's arguing that this is stupid, dumb, or this is fucking 
You opted into it. Yeah, everyone opted in. Everyone opted in. And I will absolutely 100% admit that this is not for everybody. No, it's not. You and throw some this in people, front of five, some 5e players, man, their heads are going to explode. Yeah, and some people don't like it at all. And the other thing I have, I've learned is that like when I run my Avalon game, you guys, when I ran for you in the Third Floor Wars crew, it was still like, I don't know if I want to go down there. I'm worried about this. This is scary. This is nervous. So depending how you're running, how the if you have a good crew like I did with you guys, you're helping to maintain the tone and the, the feel of the game and so forth. And um, you were wonderful. You guys were wonderful in not saying, well, you know, I'm a second level fighter and I do have 30 hit points. I could probably saunter on down there. And you never said, well, I just I only have four hit points, guys. Let's let's be careful here. I think I did because I got like, well, when you died, I ended you told up every, dying. When you died, you told everybody, well, I only had like six hit points. And, but you yeah. played your character. And that's the cool, and that's an interesting piece here is that it's, um, I'm kind of leaving the topic here in a little bit, but the Saber Die mechanic, that whole piece, Saber Petrified, Saber Stone, Saber Die, um, <clears throat> enforces the style of play, right? And it's not that that is the only tool in that style of play toolbox but i think it's to me it it underscored an interesting piece that you have been talking about for seven years i i at the start of this whole thing seven years ago sean i was like ah fuck all the rules and blah you know i was but the more i've listened to the bsers and talked to you about this over the last seven years the more i've thought you know when i'm using rules like this i'm watching what it does at my table i'm like okay it's it's forcing a style of play i'm like huh interesting and not just the rule itself but how is brett deploying the rule Right? How am I deploying it is different, perhaps, than it would have been back in the day. In my gotcha days, you know, when, when you were playing in high school, somebody would be like, well, I do this or that poison trap. Oh, shit, you're dead. Ah, oh, crap. You know, it, you didn't have a lot of, it was just like if you walked down the hall and, you know, you'd roll, sorry, you failed, trap, dead. It, it could be very meat grindery. And I know some people enjoy that and still do that. But I, even with the 5e stuff and the things that you've run for, for me with when you ran 5e for me and when you ran um, the Star Wars game, I think it's the, the, the implementation of the mechanic for the tone perspective and uh, all the mechanics, if they're done well, they help to really enforce the tone and stuff. And I think that the part of the tone of AD&D is, ba- is that that's kind of baked into it in a way. You know what I mean? That feel is there. I think it's done. We oftentimes give the old folks crap because, well, they just made it up because they want to be assholes or blah, blah, blah. I, I think it was done on purpose to encourage cautious play. This is dangerous. If it's poisonous, it might kill you. It's a Medusa. You should be fucking worried about that. The first time my friends and I encountered a Medusa in 5e, we went, holy shit. We're like, well, you're starting to turn to stone, but then you turn to stone. Okay, you don't just get turned to stone. I went, as players, I went, oh, thank God, we've got a chance, right? <laughs> because we were we were kind of high, we were rolling our way through this dungeon, blah 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 blah. Oh yeah, probably. Oh fuck, Medusa! Like wow, we got waxed. <laughs> that was not good. Damn, we lost somebody. Um, actually, I think we did eventually. We one guy like double failed saving throw type of thing. But having the chances was kind of cool, and that. 
is part of the way that game is built. There's nothing wrong with that, right? It's just it's just a different approach and a different style. And I think it's kind of I think it's kind of cool. And that's and where I'm going here is that you can't take I don't believe a one and done mechanic and slot that easily into certain other games because it'd be so jarring to the way the rest of it functions. Does that make sense? It does. I absolutely see what you're saying, and it does make sense. Yeah, if you if you're not incorporating th- that tone, it comes with the territory. Like yeah, the whole the thing. Like you're buying this product, you're going to have to be careful because it has these things. Where I think that may be one of the f- things that that I may not care for in five E because it's not. It doesn't facilitate some of those heavy-handed things. So you feel a very much, I have a chance at surviving almost anything. So let me throw this at you. Let's put the D&D aside. Now, when, you talk, when you're when running your um, Forbidden Lands game, yeah. the way you've explained it to me, what little bit I've been able to read in the uh, in the rules I have, you've said, hey, so-and-so is blind, this problem, that problem. There's a lot of, there's some pretty, would you say that there are kind of pass-fail type of things there not necessarily save or die but like save or go hungry save or lose those skill checks when they're doing those so there's always a chance when they push stuff that they're gonna they're Get gonna have Get a hurt. mishap yeah yeah they're gonna have a mishap so something goes wrong which is great that's that's the deal but and the goes wrong, it goes wrong isn't like your head falls off and you're dead Correct. Right. That not necessarily. However, um, you know, when you're broken and you're, you know, um, if, if say you take enough damage and you become broken mm-hmm. or you take a critical hit, you roll on the critical hit table. Yeah. That critical hit table has stuff on there that's like there. there is a roll this number die. It's one number, like it's one row. But it takes you. It takes you a bit to sheet. get there, though, right? It does. Yes, it's Would not you, an instant. Yes, you're correct. It, it, so, yeah, and it, it is my, a consequence yeah. of the damage you have taken. Yep. And incautious play, i.e., when I say incautious, I mean I'm going to push through this. Well, we're going to stretch a little bit. Ah, we're going to push a little bit. Too much damage. Too much damage. No, I could do one more room. Ah, fuck. Right. It's kind of like right. you, ask, you asked for it. The chance is there. Um. It's not the same as, you know, I'm fighting a Medusa, turn to stone type of thing. No, it isn't like that. At, not not like that, no. But it yes, you would take enough, you'd roll on a table. The result of that roll would tell you if it's a lethal wound <clears throat> or lethal mishap. And then based on the lethality, it'll tell you how many days you have to live without getting the proper care or healing. Yeah. I mean, so tick-tock. You know, in a Delta in a Delta Green game, or even in a Call of Cthulhu game, you can get shot and die once. You get shot once, you could die. Yeah, grenade lands on your feet, you're fucking dead. But it's not Knights Black Agents. It's not James Bond. It's not. It's not Spycraft. No. Not. no. Right? So I, I think that again, that lethality, that sudden, instant, unavoidable death because of a mistake. Right. Your right. Delta Green character. You as a player had a lapse in judgment and said, fuck it, I kick in the door. And you take the 50 cal to the chest. 
and your character explodes in small bloody red chunks. Well, wah, shit. Wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> it, and that's where I, when I see the saber die or the turn of stone, whatever it is, I believe, and this is where your AD&D, you know, how do you, where, where the mastery of it, like, do I just throw it out like chiclets and everybody gets a bite of the saber die tonight? Or is it judiciously used? How do I? That's where some of the art comes in. That's where I think the more, the modern games, one of the handier parts about it is the, is the faster turnaround to how to do it. I think there's tools embedded in many of the better modern games. Like, look, this, 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 and this is how you do this. It helps you build things a little bit better. Let, uh, how do I do this? Like clocks. Um, we've talked about, you know, from uh, Ship Blades in the Dark. Thank you. You know, it's a great tool. Tick, 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 tick. It's something I've done for years. I just haven't used that specific mechanism. That's fucking awesome. Had I known that 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it would have sped up <laughs> my growth as Game Master. It would have been super handy to know. And I think now when you when you look at um, uh, Forbidden Lands, that critical issue, like, hey, you die, or your leg falls off, or you're permanently blinded, or your character basically becomes unplayable, it's <clears throat> the way that's built... It's building you up towards a, you pushed yourself and these are the results, right? You can choose. And if you look at 5e, 5e is very much, in my opinion, 5e is very much, you can push yourself, don't long rest, drive too hard, drive too fast, get exhaustion and die, right? You run out of stuff, push too far, you can get killed. And it's, I think what's, What's interesting in a way is that it, it, it can almost be, I believe sometimes, more of a shock in like a 5e game where you're running and running and you're like, I, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I fucking died. Oh, my God. You know, it can <laughs> almost be like I've been doing this for so long and type of thing. It's not that you're unbeatable or unkillable. It takes more as me as the game master to draw you. That So that's the skill, I think, in, in that game is that I don't have a save or die mechanic to um, enforce caution or think about what you're doing. Um, in a 5e game, what I have is I have action that I throw at you. Oh, you want to stay in the action? Do I keep going? Do I keep going? Do I keep going? You know, I'm just waving the carrot on the stick. Do I want Do I want you to keep following it? And then the players have to be like, no, we need to break. We just stop. Tell the Dwarven Barbarian we've had enough. That, damn it, you know, Tiefling Thief, sit down. We need to break here because, oh, my God, we're getting our asses kicked. In the Undermound campaign, that was a classic problem. Okay, we're doing good. Yeah, we're fine. We're fine. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Bam, fight. Oh, cool. Another fight. Yeah, okay, cool. Ooh, big fight. Oh, cool. We got that one. Yeah, one more fight. Wow, shit. <laughs> you know, I would push us into another fight, and then the, the cleric would look at me and go, you dumb shit. I'm down to, like, healing potions and slapping you for being stupid. That's all I've got left, you know. So I, 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 um, I think when I hear about the, uh, the saber die, people don't like it or whatever it is, I, I think that it's a, um, it's a mechanic that, again, part and parcel with, the, with that system, it makes sense to me. And I think it's a, uh, it's a tone enforcer. Like, be cautious, think about things, and when you're encountering something new or different, test it, look at it. Don't lick the idol. Oh, my God, it was coated in poison, you die. 
don't do that, <laughs> right? You see, you see the woman with a snake body and snake's hair. You, you, you don't just walk up and ask her hi, you know, or what time of day it is, you know. And again, I don't expect you to like it. <laughs> and it's it's one of those things that I think if you taking the opt in approach, Sean, which you and I have talked to, talked about talked talked about a lot lately, is by when I laid it out for the guys, I'm like, look, this is what we're going to do. These are the rules I'm going to use. You don't like it, don't play. I want my players to say I don't want to. My buddy JR, he's one of the oldest guys in the group. He's like, eh, I still want to do that anymore. Fine. Totally cool. I, I, I'm i like, no harm, no foul, man. Still love you. You're one of my best friends. That's fine. Don't don't play then. He's like, okay, cool. I'll play the other stuff. Totally fine. But because I made it opt-in, not like, hey, this is what we're playing. You have no choice. And every game is basically, like, you can bail out of any campaign you don't want to be in, right? But these are my friends. I've known these guys for almost 30 years. So it's like, hey, I want to do this. Who's in? Right. And fully explaining it and making sure everybody bought in was a huge deal because it was drastically different than what we had been doing. Everybody gotten used to the Pathfinder or the uh, Delta Green game or the Call of Cthulhu game or whatever else I was running where I could just pull you and just tease you along. You sure you don't want to do one more room? Come on, you can kick down one more door. The goblin fled. You sure you don't want to chase him? Oh, we could go get reinforcements, you know. They got used to that. So this is just a different way to go about it. So, Sean, do you think you would run a saber die type of mechanic game? Would you? Are, do you have any interest in doing that, or is that long gone for you? I don't know. I don't know. I think there's a novelty behind it. I don't mm. know, honestly. I there's times where I like some of those old adventures out of nostalgia, and you know, I don't know, stringing them all together and saying, "Hey, we're going to start with." maybe keep on the borderlands i mean i have osc but it's not ad and d right so but i mean running some you know pharaoh and oasis of the white palm and uh i don't know tomb of the lizard king all those are awesome but dungeon Core classics is another one man there's there's some pretty some uh, osr-esque right DCC's got some. They come out with the funnel, like it's already like yeah. That's the talk about talk about build the tone right right at the beginning. (laughs) Yeah, we mentioned that in an episode, you know, quite a while ago now, where you know some people are talking about the knocks that DCC takes because there is the funnel, and it's always how many people died, and it's just that's it's not how much fun you had, it's how many. Yeah. Tunes died, and yeah. I don't know. It's Maybe. mimicking your experience in AD and D. roll up five or six. Yeah. Put the one you want behind the rest of the the, the 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 tunes that you got, so that person can steal all from the rest of your player characters. Well, I'll tell you right now, Lenny's fighter cleric. Um, he has rolled. I let them start with max hit points at first level because I'm a, I'm a gracious and benevolent oh, that, dungeon that is, master. Man, you are getting soft. I know. But after that, I'm like, you got to roll. He has rolled a one on like five levels. <laughs> oh, that sucks. <laughs> what what <laughs> class is he playing? He's a, he's a fighter cleric. Oh, nothing <laughs> like a fighter it's in AD&D just, having like yeah. shite hit points. <laughs> so he can attack really well, but he's way back there in the rear of the gear. It's like, I can't, I can't handle this. Too big. Get the paladin up there. Get the paladin up there. Oh, God. So he's second string fighter, you know. But again, he's playing it. It's it just, it's, it's again, a type of, a type of play. Sure. And how it works. So anyway, so I, <clears throat> all purpose for this, I just wanted to talk it out and this, 
and the reason that I mentioned here is why I'm having fun with it and why the group is having fun. I think a lot of it, honestly, Sean, I think you absolutely hit the nail on the head. It's, it's my group and I, our agreement, our buy-in. We want the tone. We want this feeling. This is what we're here for, right? It would be trying to play for Ben Lance and getting mad that how, how can we how, how can we have to keep traveling around this stupid hex? <laughs> how, I got to roll for water every day. And oh I'm my god! Out, and how, I got why? now yeah. I'm thirsty and exactly. yeah, yeah. I didn't sleep <clears throat> last night, so now I have repercussions. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yep. Well, I was just talking to my buddy, my buddy Joe, very briefly. I got him a gift card to Noble Knight and said, "Hey, let me know what you what you buy." And then he's like, "Hey, I miss I'm missing a link to Noble Knight, like an affiliate link or whatever." And I said, "What are you gonna buy?" And he goes, "I don't know, maybe maybe Streets." Did it say Streets Avalon? Oh, very nice. Yeah, and I, or or um, something else. I can't remember the other thing, honestly. And I said, "Okay." For Binlands, I think it was the other one. Was he was kind of contemplating? He's like, I don't know. And I said, I don't think I can get any of the old group to play for Binlands. You know, no. Jeff, Jeff, and those guys wouldn't. I mean, some of them would. Like Andy, I think would embrace it. Um, but it's a, it's if I threw down AD and D, and I, some of them like Joe would crock it. He 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 actually mentioned when he mentioned Forbidden Lands, he likes those things. He actually said that. He's like, I like it when some of those things mean something. Yep. And mean something, it has a different connotation to everybody. Yes, it does. It absolutely sure. does. And that's where it that session zero, it, we talk about it all the time. And it's it's critically oddly important not only to have it, but to discuss it and reinforce it and have the ongoing Meta, how are we gaming? Are we having fun conversation? Because what is fun, gritty, quasi-realistic? Check the charts. Do I have water? Did I find fish? Oh, no, we're still thirsty in the boat. Oh, this is dangerous. And you could have that one person, and they're like, why are all these other people having fun doing this? I fucking hate this. (laughs) You know? Yeah. It's It's so important. It really is. It is. So play it at a con, like the Chad Parrish's AD and D game at Gary Con one yeah. year. I mean, yep. we were standing in front of a door for two hours. <laughs> like well, he's like, dudes, like guys, you gotta move. And we're like, no, I'm not going through that beam of light going across the the doorway. First edition AD and D man. There's a yeah. There's I mean, a, shit. So we in, didn't have a rogue. We were like doing this, throwing yeah. stones. Oh, they disappear. Well, what the hell do you expect us to do? They're in disappearing. A, in a game like that, for a con, Brett's opinion is you can't. Your NPC, excuse me, the pregens need to be built to help tackle the problems, right? And lot save or die, right? Needs to be well. Like telegraph that shit. There's a Medusa in this cave. This town only has one fragment of a mirror and half a silver spoon. That's all you can use is your reflective material. Go. I mean, it's, whatever the challenge is. In uh, otherwise, you will have people standing outside the cave. Well, I don't want to go in. Do you want to go in? Okay, I'll try to go in backwards. I can't fight backwards. What if I close my eyes? But do I? If I stand on one leg? Does it? You know, oh my god. Chad forgot to give us the thief right away. Yeah. Because he's like, oh, we have one, two, three, four players. Here you go. 
you know, put out one, two, three, four, five sheets, whatever. And then he's like, oh, I forgot to put out the thief. So then we went through, cast a bunch of spells, did a few things, didn't work. Gave us the thief, had the thief do a couple rolls, didn't succeed. We're like, we're not, you know, I don't know if that door is locked or unlocked. We can't get through the beam of light without jeopardizing ourselves. I don't even, that thing was so ridiculous. Because then we were just, we were like automatically to my horse, ah! you know, and it wasn't even that. You know what, my, my guys would do with that right now, the way we're running. They'd see that and go, huh. All right, we retreat. They go back to town. They look up everything you can about beams of light, who made the dungeon, where it came from. But you can't do that in a con game. No one has like five sections of research time, you know. No one has that. <laughs> you don't have that in a con game, not at all. Not at funny, all. funny. All right, folks, let us know what you think about that stuff. Like it, hate it. Do you, um, from the, the, the tone enforcement and so forth. Um, anyhow, let us know what you think. Shall we? Die roll? Yeah, let's get into the uh, die, the roll of die. Two to four miscellaneous points. Game and a geekery we want to share with you. Okay? I think right. so. Let's do it. What you got first? First one, we've got Holler. Holler. Down An Appalachian in, apocalypse for savage worlds. Down in the holler. Nice. Uh, yeah, by an Appalachian poet and professor, Tim Early. I think Kerrigan actually might know Tim. Uh, Very But this cool. thing's blown out of the water, man. 63000 pledged of a $6,000 goal. That's pretty cool. Crikey's. That's a... Uh, so That's if you're cool. a Savage Worlds fan, and that's a... He he's signed on with Pinnacle, so it's an official. Oh, that's Pinnacle very cool. Kickstarter, yeah. very good. Uh, next one. Oh, you saw this one too. Ah, you you. Okay, cool. I did Edge Studio to create Star Wars role playing games. So the word on the street is. So my thoughts behind this is because Fantasy Flight Games own the license to Star Wars, and then. As Mode mm-hmm. decided to move the RPGs out of Fantasy Flight Games over to Edge Studios, correct? Probably created a little bit of a contractual kerfuffle with the licensing. So now <laughs> Edge has the license for Star Wars, but they're going to create a new Star Wars, but they're going to keep the re- reprinting the current the versions of FFG stuff. So that's well, it's like you know if you took. The entire Dungeons and Dragons creative crew, the owners, the people who are the curators of that thing right now, that property, and change them out for a whole different crew of folks, they would change it because that's their job, right? So, makes sense. That is true. Uh, And then the next one, oh, shoot, I don't have a link to it, but it is the Cyberg... Uh, Kickstarter coming November 13th, 2021. Uh, it's the nano-infested doomsday RPG about cybernetic misfits and punks raging against the relentless corporate hell, which is a spinoff of Merkberg. Nice. So you have to see the video to that, which is gritty. Of course it is. That's awesome. It's, I might actually get on that because I'm a cyberpunk sucker. Yeah, you are. You know, if it's like Merk, Merk, and it's <laughs> cyberpunk, then fine. And then last but not least, our buddy Matt Forbeck is going to be kickstarting Shotguns and Sorcery for 5th edition. 
Uh, so we know Matt, and that's coming. I don't know the actual date, but... It just says coming soon out there right now. So, yeah. Forbuck's a good dude. Solid. He knows his stuff. He's good at this. He's been doing it a long time. That would be... If that's at all interesting to you, that would be a good Kickstarter to join, I would think. Very I cool. am a little surprised that he's doing that because I know he's doing the Marvel RPG. Yep. He's involved so, in the Marvel RPG. I don't know what involvement level he has. Yeah, I don't know. Right? So, well, I mean, I, he could be lead writer, lead designer, lead whatever. I don't know. I mean, just because he's like, I don't know, has superpowers and he can get all this work done. I don't know. The, the guy's a goddamn machine when it comes he's to writing. He's crazy. He's a machine. He's, he's a bloody machine. Yeah. Nuts. He's nutty. He's nutty. But that's all we had for die roll this week. Cool, what man. are we talking about next week, Brad? So I want to kind of hang on to the tone concept. We're talking about PC generation limits and uh, and tone. So that's what we're going to talk about next time. PC limits and tone. Yeah. It's all actually. It's about personal computers and your uh, printer's toner. Toner. But, uh, yeah. It's just. It's all. It's well. We'll get to it. We'll be fine. It'll be good. God, this guy I know this guy he's gonna have a Netflix special tomorrow yeah <laughs> oh lord help us yeah alright well hey thanks for everybody that showed up for the live recording of this uh, this fiasco episode <laughs> this fiasco I was trying not to say that but uh, if you did find some strange value out of this give us a like and uh, be sure to subscribe. If cool. uh, you did not tune into this live recording, then you are listening to us uh, via your fi- favorite podcatcher of choice, which is greatly appreciated. That's our flagship uh, audio show. So thank you very much, everybody. Mm-hmm. We appreciate it. Uh, that wraps this up for this week's episode of Gaming MBS. I am Sean. And I am Brett. Good night and good gaming all. This episode of Gaming MBS produced with help from the following BSers. Joe Swick, Old School DM, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Chris Steele, Jason Hobbs, Mark Dasaka, Merkel Froelich, Pure Mongrel, Brett Pazinski, Brandon Barnes, Eileen Barnes, Dan LaValley, Victor Wyatt, Craig Huber, Roger Brasslett, Stefan Dragonspawn, Jared Rasher, Ray Otis, Jim Fitzpatrick, Old Scoozer Roleplaying, Christopher Lang, Curtis Takahashi, Larry Hout, Ron Bishop, Mark Richmond, Chad Glayman, Sky, Craig, Howard Bishop, Josh Wallace, Corey Welch, Angus, Eric Salzvedel, George Sedgwick, Robert Nemeth, Brian Kurtz, Laramie Wall, Eric Avia, Andy Olson, Jeff Seifert, John Keyword, Corey Gonzalez, Maurice, Niall Diamond, Aaron Relia, Jeff Goad, Aaron Coleman, Brian Rumble, Rich Wishon, David F. Baylog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Henry Newcomb, Cole Kago, Eric Tavola, Hoos Carl, Ghost GM, Mike Hess Jr., Rory Weston, Jim Ingram, Daniel Garrett, Eric Frankhouse Presents, Phil McClory, Adam Grotejohn, Jay Plata, Ed Nyes, The Duke in Purple, Isaiah Aries, Christian, Larry Hollis, Awal Trooper, Craig Shipman, Todd Sharp, Orcus Dorcus, Chris Shore, Michael O'Holland, Wayne Peacock, Mike Coleman, Miniature Master, Kevin Keneally, Zagrave, Vornak, Farty McButterpants, Andrew Lear, <gasps> Craig Chunglo, Eric Lunsford, Ty Prunty, Feeling Good Lewis, Ziga Paradzik, Nick Westbrook, John Mahoney, Crystal Eggstead! Zulea! Hey, thanks for your support, producers. We really appreciate it. Hey, don't forget about BSercon. That's right. 
BSercon. Head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash B-S-E-R-C-O-N. BSercon. It's being held January 28th to the 30th, virtual, online. Badge is $5. Registration is open. And event submission is currently open. Join other BSers. Meet other BSers. Play some different games. We hope you can make it. Thanks, BSers. Wow, that's a lot of BSer. This, this has been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio, Studio production. production.